We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 82nd episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am a writer for Cheesehead TV. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. And joining me today is an incredibly special guest. Her name is Sarah Kelleher. She is a student at the University of Central Florida. She is a student journalist for Central Florida, focusing on social media and photography. She is the newest contributor and writer at Cheesehead TV. She'll be joining me today to break down the 49ers and Packers game that'll be happening tonight. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Pack-A-Day podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and just really excited to get talking about what the Packers are going to do tonight. Yeah, hopefully that includes a win. But again, thank you so much for joining. Greatly yeah. appreciate it. Um, I wanted to touch base quickly. I know you are a fan and a member of the national champion Central Florida uh, you know, <laughs> sports efforts. Uh, they had a little bit of an epic comeback against the Memphis Tigers yesterday. Uh, how are you feeling after that comeback and, and how did kind of that happen a little bit? Honestly, I'm tired. I was yelling at the TV and it's very rare now do I get to watch, you know, games as a fan. Usually when we have home games, I have to work the game. I'm go, go, go the whole time. So when we do have away games, it's always fun to be able to watch and, you know, really get into the game and cheer uh, loud for the team. But yeah, this, we very could, we could have blown our 18 or now 19 win um, streak last night. That was one of the craziest games I've seen in a while. And um, last year we 
beat Memphis to win the conference. So I think they were definitely out for blood for that. And I mean, they went down, I think it was 31, 14 at halftime. And I mean, our defense was all over the place. Our offense was all over the place. And then we made the correct adjustments at halftime. Our defense didn't get a single point scored on them. And we faked a punt from our own 28 and took it back for a touchdown. So, I mean, it was just, an incredible effort from them. And I think it goes to show that, you know, if you want to be a competitor in college football, sometimes you have to win games that aren't pretty. And that definitely wasn't the prettiest win, but it was definitely an exciting game to watch. Yeah, absolutely exciting. I hope you didn't lose, you use all of your, you know, kind of good juju and good luck on that game alone. I hope you left some for, I know I said the same thing to my mom. (laughs) I said, um, I usually will try to go home to watch some of the uh, Packers games with my family, but since it's on a Monday night, I can't really leave school then. But I was telling her, like, good thing the Packers don't play tomorrow because I am out of energy right now and I need to regroup. So, absolutely. So now I know you're a student at the University of Central Florida, but how did you get involved with being a Packer fan and you know wanting to uh, get involved in sports and writing for Cheesehead TV? Tell us just a little bit about your story. Yeah, absolutely. So that's always the question. I was born in Florida, raised in Florida, grew up here, but um, my dad, his whole family uh, from Waukesha, Wisconsin. So growing up, that was just, we were raised Packer fans. And, you know, I have one older brother and he was always in sports and I kind of always wanted to copy, you know, whatever he was doing. So both of us growing up were very involved in sports. My mom is a big sports fan. So we're just a very sports oriented family. We all watch sports together, whether it's, you know, football, basketball, anything, soccer, we, we watch it all. And so growing up, the Packers were always my team. I mean, there's pictures of me in elementary school with a little, little tiny Green Bay Packers shirt on. And I, we, whenever they would come to Florida, we would go. I remember seeing when I was really young, Brett Favre, when they came and played in Miami and, So basically, I just have grown up a fan and I followed the team and I've been lucky enough to have the Brett Favre era growing up as a young child and now the Aaron Rodgers era. And it's just been really great. And as time has gone on, I was always an athlete in high school and I was like, I knew going into college, I didn't want to compete at that level, but I knew I wanted to stay involved with it. So that's how... I got involved with sports journalism and sports marketing like I'm doing right now. And basically, you know, um, on social media, I saw a lot of Cheesehead TV's work. I saw a lot of you guys, the podcast and everything. And I basically just reached out and was like, how can I get involved? I really want to get involved with this. This is something I'm passionate about. And pretty much from there, talked with Aaron and everything just kind of came together. That's awesome. That's a fantastic story. So what is your ultimate goal? What would you like to be doing with sports journalism? So right now, my major is marketing. My minor is journalism. So I'm kind of like tied with the two. I definitely want to get into sports. Like I said, um, I'm really leaning towards going to the social media side of things. So I'm hoping to either work one day for a professional sports team, a college, and to kind of just do like communication, social media work, and then contribute if I can as well. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, I certainly wish you the best of luck and you have a phenomenal start, you know, with already, uh, you know, writing for Cheesehead TV and doing some of the things for the University of Central Florida at uh, your age, which is absolutely phenomenal. So I'm sure you are absolutely on to amazing things and uh, certainly someone to track going forward, undoubtedly. So speaking of some of the epic comebacks, I know we talked about Central Florida just a second ago, but you and I were both at that Aaron Rodgers comeback week one of the season uh, against Chicago. I know, you know, we want to focus on the 49ers and Pack today since that's game day, but uh, I want you just to touch base. I believe that may have been your first piece that you wrote for Cheesehead TV. I could be wrong on that. Uh, but It was. Yeah, it was. And so. it was a phenomenal piece. You did an absolutely, I, I honestly didn't know how to put it in words exactly what I experienced and you did a phenomenal job of it. So just kind of tell me a little bit about how you were feeling at that game and uh, just kind of some of the emotions that you went through. Yeah, I mean, that whole day was crazy for me. Um, so flashback to the previous year that the um, last year season was the first time I ever went to Lambeau Field and I had been waiting and waiting and waiting to see Aaron Rodgers I had never seen him play in person and we had bought tickets planned the whole trip out and then we had planned to to go to the Saints game which was obviously unfortunately the week after Aaron went down and got hurt so I was just devastated I mean we went we toured the stadium we still had a fantastic time but it was just like it was just bad luck. So I was so excited to come back week one, get to see Aaron Rodgers. You know, now Jimmy Graham was on the team, uh, just the whole new team ready to go. We flew out the same day. So we left Florida at like 4.30 in the morning. It was a whirlwind of a day. Came, watched the game, and it was just like, I couldn't believe I was there. You know, I a night game, Lambeau Field. It was just absolutely incredible. And then when Aaron went down, it was like, everything I was like no like it just must be me like I'm just bad luck every time I plan to go you know something happens to him and I just remember I was like oh my goodness like I can't believe this is happening and you know then halftime and then we see him I'll never forget it he's comes out of the tunnel and you know everybody's kind of like clapping because we see him I mean you were there and then he starts running and it was like everything just froze I was like we're like we could win now. Like, you never know what happens when he comes out on the field. And I remember my dad looked at me and he said, if we score at least one touchdown by the end of this quarter, we're going to win this game. And I was like, I don't even know. And then, I mean, we know what happened. And just watching that, I mean, I'd seen his magic and, you know, the Green Bay Packers magic for so long. And just to see it with my own eyes was something unreal that I will take with me and remember for the rest of my life as I'm sure you will too so yeah it was it was a phenomenal game to be a part of and just the uh, emotions from beginning to end. So you start off, it's this new season, you know, every season, of course, when you've got Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, it's a potential Super Bowl hopeful season. Mm-hmm. You're kicking those, you know, emotions off and then the game doesn't start great. And then the Rodgers injury happens. And I just remember for me, I'm, I'm thinking here, I'm like, we've got this 365 day a year podcast. I'm supposed to be grading every play of every (laughs) TV. This is supposed to be this awesome season. And Mm -hmm. all of it just sounded awful going through all of that with Deshaun Kaiser as the quarterback for the remainder of the year. And at that point, the game didn't even matter, at least to me. I'm like, I don't care if we do this by a hundred. If he's okay, that's the only thing that I care about. And then all of a sudden, it lo- you know, he came back, which the first thing is, is again, I don't care if he comes back to lead a victory here. The fact that he's back and can play is huge in and of itself. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. touchdown, 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 and you win the game. And just the wave of emotion that, you know, everyone- Oh, yeah. It was a whirlwind. I mean, like one minute, 
And then, I mean, the penalties, we had so many penalties again. That seems like it's the theme almost of every game. And it was just like, you think we had it, and then we did it, and then we did, and then we did it. And it was just, oh, it was a whirlwind. Yeah, it absolutely was. So you did, again, a phenomenal job uh, of breaking that down and putting it into words in a way that I certainly didn't feel comfortable doing after that game because it was just, it literally felt like a funeral at the moment that his, you know, he went down and got carted off the field. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, yeah, watching him get carted off, I was like, I could feel my heart sink into my stomach a little bit. It was just not fun. And just the whole stadium, just, you know, just deathly quiet and Uh nothing. You could hear everything that happened because there was there wasn't anything going on. You could just hear the you know the quarterback cadence and everything else like that. So uh, great job doing that. Um, but time probably to get to 49ers and Packers. Uh, obviously, that's going to be the topic of discussion for the most part today. Um, you had brought up a great thing, you know, when I talked to you about what we wanted to cover. And that's really the injuries and how they're going to play such a huge part in this game. For the 49ers, we'll start with them. Of course, we know Jimmy Garoppolo is done for the year, as is their starting running back, Jarek McKinnon, uh, Mm -hmm. who went on, both of which went on IR earlier this season. Uh, They've already ruled out Dante Pettis, who is their rookie slot receiver, and Punter Turner, who is a a really nice young-looking receiver and playmaker for them. Trent Taylor, their number four receiver and another player who can make some plays, is listed as doubtful. And then as questionable, as crazy as, as this sounds, they're starting running back, Matt Breida. They're starting receiver, Pierre Garçon. They're starting yep. tight end, George Kittle. Starting right <laughs> guard, Mike Pearson. They're starting center, Weston Richburg. They're starting tackle, Joe Staley. And they're nickel corner in Kawan Williams. So they are incredibly beat oh, up. Oh, yeah. They're beat down right now. And, I mean, it's unfortunate um, watching Jimmy Garoppolo go down because he's an excellent player. And, I mean, I think it would have been a great matchup him going against him and Aaron Rodgers, you know, both fighting it out. And I mean, I remember when I looked at our schedule, when it first came out, this was a game that I was like, oh, this could be, you know, a pretty decent matchup. But at this point, they are just not the team they were week one, which I mean, it could play a little bit or not a little bit. It could play definitely to the Packers advantage. But I know, um, like you said, I mean, that list, that's ugly. That's any you hate to see that for any team. So. Yeah, it's basically their starting offense, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, of all those injuries for the 49ers, is there one that kind of sticks out to you that could play uh, more of a part for the 49ers if, if that person is missing? I definitely think like Pierre Gar- Garçon being out is just something that is definitely a little bit eh, for them, just considering he, I think he track, attracts attention a lot more than anything. I mean, he's been in the league for a little while now, and I mean, players know well who he is. I When I saw that name on the list, I definitely, it, my eyes popped a little bit, and I think that's something that they'll definitely be missing. I mean, he's quick on the outside. He can, he's, can get past defenders, so that's something that will definitely hurt them. Yeah, and with their number three and four receivers with Pettis and Taylor all but ruled out for the game, if their number one receiver, Pierre Garçon, is out, uh, that would literally just basically leave them Marquise Goodwin. And, yeah, and, a bunch and of Goodwin, really, really... I'm pretty sure this is his first week back too because I know I have him on my fantasy team and he, he's been out the last couple of weeks. I think he returned, yeah, he returned this week to full practice for the first time. So um, definitely going to want to get him involved. He's he's a decent receiver. So, but I mean, he's just coming back. So still, I mean, you lose all these players, you get one back, but is he totally ready to go yet? No one really knows. So. 
Yeah, they're, they're definitely banged up and it's going to play a huge part for me. George Kittle is the player to keep an eye on for them. If he's out, he, he basically has the same numbers, save for the, the touchdowns as Devonte Adams. Uh, they're both incredibly gifted receivers, but Kittle's a, a very massive and, and a big important piece of their running game as well. Uh, he's been a phenomenal run blocker for them and they really use him in a variety of different ways. So mm-hmm, if, if he were to sure. be out tomorrow, that would be a, a big gift for the Packers, even with all the injuries that they have, but it'll be interesting to see when the inactives are are kind of listed uh, to see exactly which of those players are out, which ones are are healthy. But I really think one of the the most underrated aspects of an injury list is when a player is on an injury list all week and limited in practice, and then all of a sudden they play. I think there's kind of this idea that a lot of fans have for any team that they're playing and you know what, it's great. We got them back and they're in the game. But a lot of times when they miss practice all week and they're that banged up, even if they're playing in the game, it's very rare that they're the same player that they're used to being. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've been so, seeing that obviously with Aaron Rodgers. You know, I was just going to say that we see, you know, there's mis- little miscommunications that if they were in practice every single day working together, it probably would not happen. Yeah, so th- their injury list is is going to be substantial, even if all those guys are active. Uh, the fact that they're without already their starting quarterback, running back, a couple of their top receivers, and you got to think one or two of those guys is probably going to be missing tomorrow. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when those inactives are released. But yeah. transitioning to the Packers side of things, some you know interesting names on their injury report as well. All are listed as questionable, and that includes mm-hmm. Jason Spriggs, Justin McCray, and Brian Bulaga on the offensive line, Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb at wide receiver, and then in the defensive backfield, Jair Alexander, Bashad Breland, and Jermaine Whitehead. So all of them are listed as questionable. Uh, they did touch base with Brian Bulaga today. I forget who in the media did, uh, but they basically said uh, that he was able to finish practice the other day. His back's not bothering any, you know, him anymore. It sounds like he's looking to give it a go. But that's going to be a big one to keep an eye on. But of those players, what are one or two injuries for the Packers that are you're really keeping an eye on when they list the inactives tomorrow? Definitely Alexander. I mean, I think he's he's an, was an excellent pickup for us in the draft, and he he really rattles receivers. I mean, in the games that he's played so far, you can tell. I mean, his coverage is he gets in their head, he chirps a little bit, and I mean that might come back to bite him every now and then. But I love it. I love watching him. You know really get in there and kind of get in the guy that he's on's head. And I think we, we missed not having him last week. And I mean, obviously Geronimo Allison, Randall Cobb, we really, we really need them. I mean, we saw last week, there was just numbers and numbers and numbers of weird miscommunications on offense that we usually don't see. And I mean, there's times I know you uh, posted a lot of film about it where Rogers has, you know, people wide open, but he's going for a different throw. And that was way more difficult. And I think maybe just having those guys back will make uh, Aaron a little more comfortable in his decision making. So that's definitely important. And I mean, Vlaga, all those guys, McCray, I mean, we need pass protection right now. I mean, he's already beat up. We saw last week, he had a little bit of a setback when he got hit. So, I mean, he needs to be protected. So, I mean, really, there's multiple guys that are big names on both sides of the ball for us that really, really, really just stick out for me. 
Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you uh, when you uh, had mentioned Jair Alexander. I think that's the one that sticks out to me. Their their defense just looks a lot different when he's in the ballgame, and especially when you got uh, a player that is healthy in Marquise Goodwin who has that you know similar 4-3-40 type of speed, if not even faster. To have your fastest mm-hmm. corner out on the field would certainly be a, a huge benefit for the Packers. And then, uh, again, I totally agree with you from a, a Brian Bulaga standpoint and the pass protection standpoint. The you know Rodgers in that knee is still a little bit of an issue. May have to wear the bigger brace this week. The more that they can protect him, the better. And, and Brian Bulaga still, I know he's had his moments where he's given up some pressure and some sacks, but still, you know, leads yeah, anything of- right now. We need to protect him. So absolutely. So I think those are a couple ones to keep an eye on. It'll be interesting too to see with the bye week coming up if they protect those players a little bit more to try to give them basically, you know, almost three weeks of rest the week coming in this week and then all through the bye week before they would play their next game and just be a little bit more cautious. So that'll be something to keep an eye on too. But hopefully they're there with, you know, fully healthy tomorrow and mm-hmm. good to go and, and we can enter the game as healthy as possible against San Francisco in a game that's, you know, really shaping up to be a pretty important game for the Packers. Absolutely. And also another thing that just came to mind, I mean, Richard Sherman is, he's, I'm assuming probably going to be covering Devonte Adams a lot of tomorrow's game. And I mean, just having different weapons in Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb at wide receiver. I mean, that'll help just give Aaron more options. Like I said, again, I mean, our young receivers did a decent job last week, but I don't know if Aaron really fully trusts them yet. Nope. I totally agree. So absolutely things that are going to be uh, key to the game tomorrow. But speaking of which, uh, you know, what are your keys to the game tomorrow? We'll start kind of with the Packers. Uh, what are your keys for a Packers victory going against the 49ers? I just think we need to get a consistent rhythm on offense. I mean, the last couple of weeks watching the game, it's like we have no rhythm whatsoever. I mean, we have miscommunication all over the place. We, you know, we're running on third and 11 we're just kind of giving up plays it looks like a little bit and I just think we need to get in a rhythm I mean Aaron we saw it when we were there week one I mean first half obviously was a mess but second half I mean they come in and he hit before he hit some long passes he just hit a bunch of short quick passes and I think you know getting in a rhythm that way letting your receivers get touches so we just need to keep the rhythm. I feel like we get disrupted and we've had so, so, so many penalties this year. I think just being a little more disciplined, getting rhythm, Aaron being able to connect early. I think, I mean, he touched on it, I know, multiple times this past week that he just doesn't feel like they've really had a good first half. And I think finding the receivers early, getting the run game moving early. That's just going to be the key of getting a good first half and not, you know, waiting until the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter to start playing a little better. No, I absolutely agree. And that was actually the first thing on my list is getting off to a good start and a fast start. You know, you want CJ Beathard to have to throw the ball a ton and and try to get 49ers out of their rhythm and out of, you know, Kyle Shanahan being able to do all the creative things that he does out of play action and everything like that. Green Bay has started uh, so far this season on their first drives in their first five games, punt in the first game, punt in the second game, punt in the third game, punt in the fourth game, and in the fifth game against the Lions, missed field goal. So they haven't put any points on the board in their first drive, and they've lost the first quarter by a total of 13 points for the Packers to 42 points to their opponents. So Mm -hmm. getting behind the eight ball that much in the first quarter has been a huge issue. So if they could get off to a fast start, that'd be a huge key for the Packers. I agree. I mean, I've... Road, I think two weeks in a row now and my recaps, I mean, it doesn't matter 
who your quarterback is and how many times he's had these historic heroics where he comes back from behind. I mean, it's just unacceptable almost to give up that many points right off the bat. Agreed. And I think uh, obviously special teams bouncing back from last week with the miscues, the whether it was a muffed punt or not, what ended up being a muffed punt, uh, the missed field goals, missed extra point, all of those things. There was uh, a couple penalties as well. That's going to be something to keep an eye on as they bounce back, protecting Aaron Rodgers, we touch base on. And then I really think that this isn't so much the Packers versus the 49ers. Listen, this is Aaron Rodgers versus CJ Beathard. We just mm-hmm. talked about all the injuries that the 49ers have throughout their roster. This is about the Packers versus the Packers. The Packers have beat themselves a tremendous amount of times this season already uh, with the miscues and mistakes that you kind of touched base on already. And uh, this is about the Packers going out and executing at all on all phases of the game and beating a team that on paper they should win probably by about 20 plus points on just on the quarterback matchup alone in this game. So I really want to see them clean a lot of that up and just go out and play a clean game. I agree. And I mean, like you said, it's just been sloppy and more than one um, area for them. So I'm hoping maybe uh, last week was a wake up call. If there wasn't any, if there wasn't wake up calls before that, that was kind of the final wake up call for them to really be disciplined this week and practice and work on some of those little things that they have been missing in the game. Absolutely. I'm going to put you in the 49ers coach's shoes for a moment. If you were the coach of the 49ers, what would your key to the game be for the 49ers? I think just making CJ Beathard is comfortable. I mean, that's a lot of pressure to come in after, you know, your starting quarterback gets hurt and then half your offense is hurt. So I think, I mean, last week he played a decent game. He threw for over 300 yards, threw for two touchdowns, but he had two interceptions. And I think, and it was against the Chargers. Um, They didn't win, but I, I believe they lost by two. And I mean, just getting him comfortable I don't know what they're going to really rely on in their offense with so many of their receivers out and their running back out. But I just really think getting him in a groove and getting comfortable and making sure if I'm the coach, you know, communication is everything with him right now. I mean, he's in a tough, tough spot. And now he's going Monday night football, primetime Lambeau field. I mean, that's, that's a lot. So just trying to make sure he's comfortable, make sure the guys really trust him and know that they need to listen to him and let him get involved. Yeah, and for me, it would be keeping the game close and keeping the, the 49ers offense and manageable down in distances. If you can keep the game close, as I mentioned earlier, Kyle Shanahan can kind of take over. He's very good at scheming things open and being very creative in the passing game, You know, working off a of play action. If they're able to stay in manageable down in distances and keep the game close, uh, then the, they're going to give Green Bay trouble through the entirety of the game. Mm-hmm. But if, uh, if Green Bay gets up early as we touch base on the Packers keys to the game, then I think they're behind the eight ball where they're going to have to have C.J. Beathard throw 40, 50 times in the game. And that's a recipe for success for the Packers. So if I were the 49ers, I'd definitely focus on keeping it close and again, staying in those manageable down and distances. And of course, taking advantage of any miscues by the Packers. They've had them in just about every single game. And if if they get them, they have to take advantage of them. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen our defenses. They've just, they're either, they play really sharp or they just kick themselves so many times this year, whether the penalties were correct calls or not, there's still penalties. And I mean, things that should be easy stops end up being, you know, 30, 35 yard gains. And it's just, if they're going to make the mistakes like that, then the 49ers absolutely just need to be able to capitalize on that. 
Absolutely. All right. So real quickly, Sarah, who is a player on on each team that you're looking for to kind of make an impact in this game? Well, as I touched a little before, I think for the 49ers, just getting Goodwin involved again is going to be really important for them. He's one of their only, you know, main guys that's going to be in the lineup tomorrow. And I mean, even though he's just coming back, just trying to get him into the mix is important. And then this week, I really think, and I'm hoping for the Packers is the Jimmy Graham week. I mean, every week I think he's going to, this is going to be the week where we really see him, you know, have an explosive game. And I mean, there's been so many plays where I'm like, I feel like we could just, Aaron could just throw it up to him. And, you know, he's huge and he's, he's an excellent player. So I'm thinking, you know, we throw it up, Aaron can throw it up high in the end zone for him and he should be able to catch it almost every single time. So I'm really, I'm thinking that this might be the week for him maybe to break out a little bit and um, have a big game. So I'm, those are going to definitely be two players that I'm going to be looking out for tomorrow. Yeah, Jimmy Graham is one of those rare players where he's open even when he's covered. And you see that a lot on tape. It's mm-hmm. when I'm grading it, it's tough to give him positives because he's covered up on the play, but he's covered by a guy that's six inches or more shorter than him. And it's just one of those situations where give him a chance because he's probably going to box out the other player and go up. Exactly. And yeah. So. And then for, for me, for the Packers, it, it really breaks down to their safeties. To me, especially in that Buffalo game, Green Bay got really phenomenal safety play from both Kentrell Bryce and HaHa Clinton Dix that game, and their defense looked incredibly different than it had in any other week. And mm-hmm. the, Bills, the Bills' offense played a part in that, you know, from a, a you know not scoring any points standpoint. But their defense was flying around. The safeties were much more aggressive, and I would love to see that from the Packers again this week. They're not playing a great quarterback again. I would love to see the safeties step up and really play some shutdown defense. And then for the 49ers. DeForest Buckner is a player. He hasn't had quite the breakout season this year that he had last year at this point yet, but he is a player that is capable of absolutely taking over a game. And if he gets matched up one-on-one with Byron Bell, look out, because Byron Bell gave up a lot of inside pressure last week. Bull rushed into the quarterback, caused some high throws from Aaron Rodgers or some missed throws from Aaron Rodgers. If he gets matched up with Byron Bell, that could be a huge issue for the Packers. So he's someone that I'm looking out for. Yeah, and it seems like... I mean, that's a great point. And it seems like every game, there's somebody that almost has a breakout game against the Packers. So I'm really hoping that that's not the case tomorrow, but it very, it, there's a very good chance it, it could be. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully that's not the case, as you mentioned. So real quick, what are your predictions for Monday night's game against the 49ers? Um, I'm thinking the Packers are going to take the win. I think it might not, again, be the prettiest football that we've ever seen, but I think we're going to get, especially if at least one or the other of Geronimo Allison or Randall Cobb is playing, if we have at least one of them, if we have two, especially if we have both of them, especially, I think our offense will get moving a little more. I mean, we've seen Aaron's frustrated. There was a lot of coverage on, you know, maybe a possible tiff with him and McCar- uh, Mike McCarthy, but I think they got they're This week was a week for them to straighten all that out. And I think we're going to see a little bit more clean football on the offensive side of things. I think our defense, I think we we might let up a few points early in the game. It seems like we kind of do that every single game. But I think overall our run game is going to be a little more consistent. And I know that the 49ers have a decent run defense. But regardless, I think we'll be able to. I definitely think right now we are the better team. We have... I mean, we both have a lot of injuries, but they have significantly more injuries. And I think 
that the Packers are going to win maybe like 34, 17, somewhere in there, somewhere around there. Definitely think that Aaron's going to uh, step it up tomorrow, though, and we'll see him really being a leader. Yeah, I like this as a double-digit victory as well, a little bit closer. I think maybe 27-16 Packers is what I was leaning towards. I think what I'm hoping for is that they got into a little bit of a rhythm in the second half against the Lions on offense, showed some of the things that they were capable of. Hopefully that last field goal by Mason Crosby got him some confidence back. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping they maybe cleaned up some of that, got a little bit of confidence in the second half and can go out and do some of those same things to start the game against the 49ers. So I'm hoping 27-16 Packers and and just kind of end things out here today, Sarah. How big of a game is this for the Packers? So Chicago lost today in overtime to the Dolphins. Minnesota beat the Cardinals. Lions were obviously on their bye week. That leaves the Bears at three and two on top of the division currently. The Vikings at three, two, and one, just a half a game basically behind the Bears. Lions at two and three. And then the Packers will either be three, two, and one or two, three, and one, or I guess maybe two, two, and two. Who knows these days with all the ties? But, uh, <laughs> They really have a difficult schedule coming off of their bye. So they go at the LA Rams. Yep, and then at the Patriots. And then at the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. They come back home against the Dolphins, who are 4-2 and and again beat the Bears today. They go at the Seahawks away on a Thursday night coming back from the Dolphins. So if, you know, for any of the people out there that look at any of the statistics on a Thursday night game, the away team is generally on a huge disadvantage. Oh, absolutely. And then they come back at the Vikings on Sunday night football the week after that, after a mini buy after the Thursday night game. But if you kind of look at it from a travel standpoint as well, they're going all the way West Coast to the Rams, all the way East Coast to the Patriots. They come back central home for the Dolphins all the way West coast on a short Thursday night game at the Seahawks, then at the Vikings before they finally get back home. So a really, really difficult schedule. Any way that you slice it, the short week, the tough teams, nobody on those teams is under 500 football at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so How big of a game is this for the Packers? I mean, this is a huge game. I mean, after this going to LA, I mean, the Rams, they just look, they look phenomenal right now. And I mean, Todd Gurley is just, he's a beast. And I mean, he is a phenomenal player that we are going to have a difficult time, I think, um, containing. And I mean, the Patriots, everyone knows, I mean, it's going to be 12 versus 12. I mean, that's the quarterback matchup uh, for the ages right there. And I mean, that is, um, that's that's a prime time game too, I believe. And um, just like you said, West Coast to East Coast, and I mean, who knows what's going to happen with these injuries? I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers? And those two games alone are scary enough on the schedule. And then, I mean, going away to Seattle and then away to Minnesota isn't exactly comfortable either. So this is an enormous game in retrospect for the Packers tomorrow to get a win on their record. And because it will take a lot and things will have to be much cleaner than we've seen the first few weeks against the Rams, against the Patriots, even against the Dolphins, and especially then against the Vikings when they play, considering that that'll, that'll be a divisional matchup. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think a 3-2 and two record against those five teams after this would be a, an insane effort. Based oh, on absolutely. 
So, you know, if they, if they can go three and two in that on a really good note, if they drop to two, three and one after this, that even a, an insane three and two record after the bye week would still only put them at 500 football uh, if they were to lose against the 49ers. So I couldn't agree with you more. I think this is a, a really must win, you know, as, as much of a must win situation you can have in week six of a season when even if you lose, you're only a game back in the division. This is about as much of a must win as you can get just based on the schedule alone. So I'm 100% on the same page. Sarah, can you uh, tell us where we can find you on social media and where we can find your work? Absolutely. So on social media, on Twitter, I am my at is at Sarah Kelleher, um, Sarah with an H, and then Kelleher is K-E-L-L-I-H-E-R-4. So Sarah Kelleher 4. A lot of Packers coverage on there, a lot of UCF stuff. So if you're not a UCF fan, I apologize, but that's just I got to do work for that as well. And then basically um, in my bio, I have, you know, links to websites where my photos are at. And then I also have websites to or link to uh, the Cheesehead TV stories. So basically my Twitter is the place to go if you're looking for any coverage of Packers or even if we have any UCF fans listening out there. Excellent. And then is there a specific day of the week that your article posts on Cheesehead TV? Oh, yeah. Typically, it would be a couple hours after the game. So if we play a one o'clock game, um, usually I try to after the game ends. So if we play a one o'clock game on a Sunday, I usually try to get it up by five thirty six. And the night game tomorrow, I'll probably um, post it in the morning. So just checking in a couple hours after the game finishes is when you'll probably see my recaps and um any feedback or any, I like reading the comments, seeing what people agree with, what people disagree with. So any feedback or any commentary is always welcome as well. Perfect. Any last thoughts for the game? Um, I'm just hoping we see a little more, um, some sharper play by the Packers tomorrow. I mean, it's been a little hard at moments to watch at some points because we, I think you and me and many other people know what this team really could be capable of. So just hoping to see the Packers team that, you know, we have expectations for and expectations that we know that they can meet. Just hoping to see that team tomorrow. And I'm excited for a primetime matchup. Couldn't agree more. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. You're obviously welcome to join us anytime you'd like. Keep up the phenomenal work at Cheesehead TV. Your articles have been absolutely phenomenal and, and just really appreciate you coming on today. Absolutely. I'm I'll be down to do this anytime. And thank you for having me. You bet. Anytime. Uh, for those of you who are looking to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me again at Scotty Sports. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Make sure to check out our new Facebook page and follow us and rate us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Before I let you go today, I'd be remiss not to mention and give a huge shout out to Jacob Westendorf, who recorded yesterday's podcast with Zach Jacobson, which, by the way, was the night before his wedding. Uh, so huge <laughs> to Jacob for uh, for putting that together and doing that the night before his wedding. Congratulations, Jacob. Uh, we certainly appreciate everything that you do for the podcast. Uh, the podcast episode was amazing. Make sure to go listen to it. And again, Jacob, congratulations on your wedding. We appreciate all that you do. Uh, when we say we're dedicated to the Packers in this podcast, we aren't messing around. Even if it's the night before your wedding, you're recording your podcast. I don't let anyone off any, for any reason whatsoever. So <laughs> Jacob, you're the best. Thanks so much. That does it for us today. Thanks as always for listening. And as always, and especially tonight, go Pack Go. Six seconds to go. Ball just outside of the four. Roger shotgun looks to his right. Snap to A-Rod. Throws right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! The dagger to Andrew!
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.